Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome to Just Pod, baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am Evan Grote. Follow me on Twitter at egro 5 and follow SportsNot on Twitter at SportsNot. It's Super Bowl week. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to be pulling for Cincinnati. That's who I want to see win it all. I, I've decided. Uh, I like the underdog story. This was a two-win team in 2019. They went out and drafted the quarterback. Uh, they got a star receiver. They go out and spend some money on the defense this offseason in free agency, and they have been on a playoff run that has been as good as any we have seen in recent years. So we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see if they can finish the job uh, on Sunday in SoFi Stadium this week on a Raiders front. This week, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have been very busy working to assemble the the coaching staff. Patrick Graham is now on board as the defensive coordinator. Chris Ash was named. As the secondary coach, he comes over from Jacksonville. They also added another coach in the secondary, Jason Simmons. He comes over from Carolina to be the new defensive pass game coordinator. And there is also a new special teams coach on board in Tom McMahon. Uh, So it's it's starting to come together for the coaching staff. And a a big topic uh, this week here on the podcast, we'll be taking a look at defensive coordinator Patrick Graham and, and what he brings to the table for this defense. And I've been doing some homework. I've been trying to read up on him as much as I can. I watched some all-22 coaches film from the, the Week 8 Raiders-Giants game. And not that I'm a big X's and O's guy. There's plenty of other guys out there that do a really good job with that sort of thing. But I'm just trying to educate myself uh, the best that I can on this new uh, coordinator for the Raiders. I also recruited some help this this week from Ryan Dunleavy, who is an NFL uh, reporter from the New York Post, who will be joining us later in the show. And we're going to pick his brain a little bit about Patrick Graham and, and get the rundown on the new defensive coordinator uh, for your Las Vegas Raiders. So that is the plan for the show this week. But let's begin, let's begin, excuse me, with a rundown of some of these new coaches on the staff. I want to start with Chris Ash, the new secondary coach. And, you know, he's got a pretty extensive resume as a college coach. Um, He's had stops along the way at several big-time Power 5 schools, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Ohio State, Texas. Uh, He has some head coaching experience uh, at Rutgers. Um, His only NFL experience, however, came last year in Jacksonville as the safeties coach for Jacksonville. And, And that's really what gives me some concerns. I understand I might be getting a little bit nitpicky here, um, but when you look at the Raiders' defense as a whole, I would say the secondary has a lot of youth um, between Mullen and Abram, Merrig, Hobbs, Amik Robertson. These are young players, and they will probably also 
look to add another corner through the draft, probably, depending on what they decide to do with Casey Hayward. And, you know, I, I just worry about bringing in a, a young coach who has really no coaching experience other than the last year coaching experience at the NFL level. And, you know, it's a much different game than than in college. The the rules are different, uh, and, and that's a big jump for not only the players to make, but coaches as well. And uh, the Raiders, they have in, invested a, a lot of draft capital, capital in the secondary, and they need these players to develop. And, and so I think, you know, Chris Ash steps into this role, and he's got he's got big shoes to fill, and he's got a big uh, responsibility on his shoulders. Um, Jonathan Abram, uh, to this point, one of those another one of those young players in the secondary. To this point, he has not lived up to the status of a first round pick. His role changed up a bit last year. We saw some improvements with him, but he still needs to be much better in coverage. Uh, Trayvon Mullen needs to make a big jump. Uh, I believe this year it's year four for him. He needs to stay healthy and show that he can be the guy uh, out there on the outside that this defense can rely on. Uh, I think Nate Hobbs and and, and uh, Merrick, uh, they got off to really good starts in year one. So you hope to see them continue to build on the strong rookie years that they were able to put together. Um, but again, I just think to go from a uh, highly respected veteran NFL defensive back coach like Ron Miles to Chris Ash, you know, to me that's a bit of a downgrade. And uh, nothing against Chris Ash, I'm sure he's a fine coach, but I, I do believe it's it's a bit of a a, a step backwards for uh, the coach of the secondary. Uh, again, very decorated as a college coach, but the lack of experience at the pro level does raise some some concern flags for me with a really uh, young secondary. Um, I, I reached out to John Reed, who covers the uh, Pan- uh, not the Panthers, the uh, Jaguars, for the Florida Times Union paper, just to see what you know what intel I could get, what what he thought. You know, he covers the team week to week, so um, I did reach out to John Reed, and he did get back to me. He had a couple things uh, to say about Ash, and I, I really wanted to know specifically about what he thought, uh, the type of impact that he had on the development of. Uh, the Jaguars rookie safety Andre Cisco, and, and the secondary overall. And this is what Reed had to say. Uh, he says, took too long for Cisco to get on the field. He struggled at times to cover when isolated on tight ends and wide receivers. Cisco did get more snaps toward the end of the season, but overall the safeties and secondary clearly struggled in, in some games, especially against Seattle and New England. Ash's first season in Jacksonville definitely was filled with a few highs, but many lows as well. So, you know, that's that's some intel just from a, one reporter, but I thought it was worth uh, sharing with you. Um, also, our guest later in the show, Ryan Dunleavy, he also covers Rutgers football in addition to NFL coverage. He covers uh, Rutgers football as well, so I'm going to ask him what he thinks about Chris Ash as well. Moving on to the special teams coordinator, uh, we all know Rich Passaccia ha- has been regarded or is regarded as one of the top special teams coaches in the NFL for a long time. Uh, you know, he had a great combination of kicker and punter with A.J. Cole and Daniel Carlson. And I think he should des- deserve some credit for their development. But um, with Basaccia no longer with the team, 
Uh, it's going to be Tom McMahon who steps into that role after spending the past four years with Denver. And again, I did some homework on him, dug into some numbers. And I know numbers don't tell the whole story, but that's really all I, I have to go off of at this point. Um, and unlike Chris Ash, you know, McMahon, he, he has plenty of NFL experience. He's had stints in Atlanta, St. Louis, Kansas City, um, Indianapolis, and then, as I mentioned, the last four seasons with Denver. And um, what I found when I did some digging on McMahon, and I, and I have some stats for you, and, and, I, and um, you know, again, they don't give the full picture, the, the, but it, it's worth mentioning in this case, according to Football Outsiders, uh, DVOA rankings, Denver's special teams unit ranked 30th in the league last year. Um, it's not real pretty. They allowed a league worst 39 yards per kickoff return in 2021. So not good there. Give up a lot of return yardage. Um, and they were ranked 31st in 2020 in that area, 29th in 2019. And in 2018, that was really the only year that they were really good in that area, actually, where they ranked fourth in the league. Um, so, um, there's some numbers for you on kick return. As far as punt coverage goes, 2018, they were 29th. 2019, they were 30th. 2020, they got a little bit better at 15th. And in 2021, they were really good in covering punts, allowing only 6.4 yards per return, um, which was good for third in the NFL. So, you know, not real consistent with the punt and kickoff coverages. Uh, also, it's worth mentioning that... Um, in the last four years, Denver has allowed six return touchdowns, four kickoffs, and two punts. That is the most in the league over that span of four years. And so I'm also going to throw in, uh, not, to, not to kick him when he's down, but league worst, 16 yards per kickoff return. Uh, so again, I don't want to make it sound too negative, but not exactly a glowing report for the new special teams coach, at least not during his time uh, with Denver. Now, while I, I haven't exactly given my stamp of approval on Chris Ash or, or Tom McMahon, I think the prospects look much more promising for the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. And I made a joke on Twitter last week when he was hired because of all the high praise that he was getting on Twitter. Uh, if, if, if Patrick Graham is half as good as everyone is on Twitter <laughs> says he is, then the Raiders will, will be in great hands. That defense is going to be in great hands. But, you know, by the numbers, of course, what the first thing we all do is we want to run out there and take a look at the stats. And when you look at the Giants' defense over the last two years, the numbers aren't going to blow you away. Um, and, you know, when you look at points per game or takeaways, uh, number of sacks, you got to look beyond the box scores to find the, the promise of what Graham could bring to the defense. Um, and, and, you know, again, through my research that I was doing on him, the number one thing for me that I really like about Graham is, is his willingness to adapt to different situations, different games, different offenses. And, you know, that was a big negative that I had with Gus Bradley is that maybe he was a little too vanilla at times, right? I mean, just too rigid, a little bit stubborn, I would even say, to make adjustments, you know, not willing to bring more pressure at times. And that's not going to be the case with Patrick Graham. He comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And if you know anything about that, Belichick is um, 
you know, design games. He designs his his game plans um, that are matchup specific. Um, and, and the same can be said for Josh McDaniels on the offensive side of the ball. You know, with what he does. And, and yes, they have their schemes, but they have both McDaniels and Graham have shown that they are willing to adapt to specific po- opponents and really do whatever it takes to win. And that's that's what I like about it. Um, so that's going to be a big change for for Raider fans. You're going to see both an offense and a defense that is adaptable and more game plan specific uh, on a week-to-week basis, unlike what we saw with John Gruden and, and Gus Bradley. I do expect the Raiders' defense to be multiple in its fronts and its coverages, and that's one of the things that Josh McDaniels, when he was introduced during the introductory press conference, one of the questions that he was asked was about the defensive fr- front that he desired to to play and, you know, he was pretty noncommittal about that, whether it was a 3-4 or a 4-3. And, you know, with Patrick Graham, you're going to get a coach that, you know, he's not going to lock himself into one philosophy. In, in fact, um, I, I have audio from Graham back in 2020 when he was hired by the Giants, and, and, he was ta- and the audio talks about, you know, some of his beliefs about being multiple on defense as well as designing the scheme to, to fit your your players and your personnel. So let's take a quick listen now to, to the, some of that audio. I think, you know, the scheme is always based on the people. So, again, the people are going to be different. You know, you could try to, you know, everybody's going to do it. They're going to try to look at a body type and try to say, oh, this guy's like this guy they use and this guy's like this guy they use, which is fine. But the scheme is going to be based on the people and until I get to know the people here, you know, I don't want to speak for those guys. I haven't really met anybody, everybody there. But, like, in terms of just the scheme will be reflective of the people and what's needed for that game plan. But you can anticipate it being multiple, if that makes sense. You know, people ask four, three, three, four. I say yes. <laughs> I mean, so I answer to both of them. So <laughs> you can say two, four, yes. Three, three, five, yes. I mean, whatever, whatever number. You, you, however you want to rearrange the front seven, the whole 11, yes. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that because mm-hmm. at head coach Joe Judge's press conference, he mm-hmm. talked about customizing the defensive scheme and things as basic as the front, mm-hmm. week to week based on your opponent. So as someone that's going to be teaching this from week to week, what are the challenges to having a variable defense each week based on your opponent? See, no matter what, in terms of the, the structure of the defense, in my opinion, this is my opinion, in terms of the structure of the defense, whether it's, you know, 3-4, if you're talking about nickel, four two five, whatever you want to look at, it comes down to the fundamentals, you know, in terms of stopping the run. You're setting the edge, building the wall. So it doesn't matter how the, how the, the people are lined up. When the ball snap, we got to build a wall. We got to make sure we got a good edge. I guess you can set the edge from a 3-4. You can set the edge from a 4-3. Passing game, you got to make sure you're playing your leverage. So whether it's cover one, three, two, whatever it may be, we could play that out of all those groupings. We got to win our leverage and defend the deep part of the field. And then after that, you got to tackle. So, again, is it hard to teach that? Not if you start with the fundamentals. If everybody understands the fundamental, what we're trying to do and who we're trying to take away, then how we deploy the guys in terms of the structure of the defense, I mean, not irrelevant, but, I mean, I mean, is we, we can figure that out. Because the, you got to give the guys credit. They, they do a good job. You got to think about how much information they gather in one week for one opponent. Then Sunday's over. They have to wipe that clean and get ready for another opponent, still knowing that the tendency for. All right. And, and it kind of cuts off there. Uh, but I, I have to say uh, that, that's quite refreshing to hear. 
And I'm sure many of you out there feel the same way when, when you think back to the Paul Gunther era. And I go back to that 2019 draft when they selected Cleland Farrell for overall just because he fit what Paul Gunther looks for in a defensive end in terms of a, a bigger bodied kind of guy rather than just taking the best defensive player that was available at that time and, and building around his strengths and not being so locked into the scheme. And I, and I do think that sometimes the scheme fit can be taken a little too far. And, and I and I think that Farrell is, is a good example of that. But I, I digress and I want to get back to my original point, which is that Graham comes in and you know, he's going to be, uh, he knows that they, they have two really good edge rushers in, in Las Vegas. And he's, so he's going to put these guys in the right spots, uh, to be successful regardless of the alignment and, and, um, you know, those types of things. Now, Vic Tafer wrote a story this week and, uh, I encourage you to go out there and check it out if you didn't see it yet. And he talks about the ascension of Graham that he's made from a player at Yale to a defensive coordinator in the NFL and his journey and it included quotes from former coaches as well as players that he has worked with over the years and the universal comment that was made about Graham was how intelligent he is that that came up multiple times how smart he is and I want to read you a quote from Leonard Williams because I think it's very telling uh, quote, one thing that I've always raved about Pat Graham is just how smart he is in terms of knowing our opponent and knowing his players. We don't run the same defense every week. It's like we change our defensive coordinator to who we are playing, what type of schemes we are going to get that week, end quote. So I think that's exciting that the defense should get more modern in its design. Um, so that's a good thing. However, if there is one thing that concerns me a little bit, just a little bit now, okay, because i got to play both sides of it here. Um, again, going back to Paul Gunther, a lot of what we heard after he was gone was how complicated his playbook was, how overly complex it was, and it was difficult for some of the players to pick up on it, on all of it, right? And then you brought in Gus Bradley, and he really simplified things for the players with his pretty basic cover three, and I do think it helped, but almost too boring at times. So what I'm interested to see is, is can Graham come in now and run a sophisticated style of defense that has multiple looks, utilizes various coverages, man and zone, blitzes, and and that changes on a week-to-week basis? Will the players be able to keep up with that and grasp all of those things and execute it on the field? I think that's a question. I think it's a big question. Um, you know, and I, you always want your players to go out there and play fast and not overthink it. Um, so I, I do think it takes a certain kind of player to be able to execute his defense. You got to have high football IQ and you have to be a smart player. So just, just one minor concern that I had. Uh, but my initial assessment overall, you know, of some of the coaching hires that have been made, um, you know, I, I'm pretty satisfied with the defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, you know, how, how the rest of this staff, you know, plays out. Um, I, I'm starting to turn my attention to the vacancy uh, of offensive line. That That's the one now that I want to see who is it going to be. Who's going to be coaching that offensive line? The unit was a disappointment last year. There are some really young pieces 
in place with Alex Leatherwood and Andre James still need a lot of development in their games. And you're probably going to see maybe another right tackle added through the draft or maybe in free agency. So they need to play better as a unit. And uh, I'm going to be interested to see who who it is that gets that job and who's going to be tasked with trying to get that offensive line to play better uh, going forward. All right, guys, time for me to step away here and get a quick break out of the way. And when I return, we're going to be chatting with Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. You don't want to miss that conversation. Do not go anywhere. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of SportsNot.com. We're back here on Just Pod Baby. Happy to have you with me, joining me again this week. And we're working our way through the month of January. Once the Super Bowl wraps up this weekend, NFL fans are going to start looking towards the NFL Scouting Combine, uh, which begins March 1st and runs through March 7th, followed by free agency on March 16th. And that's going to be a really exciting time of the year for Raider fans, especially with some money to spend, a new general manager in charge, and a coach with a new vision of how they want to build and add to this roster. And then... In late April on the 28th, it's the NFL Draft. So there's going to be a lot going on here in the next couple of months, and I'm going to be covering it all for you. So make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast, and and, and you can do that by going to all the major platforms and make sure you click that subscribe button. Um, you know, I'll be taking a week or two off here and there, but for the most part, you can expect to hear from me uh, often. All right, let's go out to the guest line now and say hello to Ryan Dunleavy, NFL writer for the New York Post. And Ryan has a really good pulse on the state of the football teams in New York, especially the Giants. So I thought he'd be a great person to speak to about the Raiders' new defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. So let's jump right into it. Ryan, let's first talk about how all this went down for Graham, the Giants' new head coach, Brian Dayball. During his introductory press conference, he voiced support. Uh, for wanting to bring back Graham as their defensive coordinator. But despite that support, Graham had other plans. He was being courted by several other teams as well as the Giants. So what can you tell us about how this all evolved for Graham uh, into eventually landing uh, with the Raiders? Yeah, it's a very strange, unique situation. I mean, you always see something a little different in the NFL. You never see the same thing twice. And so, uh, Look, Patrick Graham and Joe Judge, the fired Giants head coach, uh, are like practically best friends. Uh, uh, Graham left his job in Miami under Brian Flores uh, to work for Judge two years ago to be his defensive coordinator. In Graham's words, I'm here because of Joe Judge. So then Joe Judge gets fired. Uh, Patrick Graham interviews for the job because, you know, he can't turn down a head coaching job. He turned down one last year with the Jets an offer so uh interview so can't turn down another one so he interviews to replace judge doesn't get it and then he interviews twice with the vikings doesn't get that job and the giants say basically well he's under contract if he doesn't get the vikings head coach job we want him back as our defensive coordinator but lo and behold before dable got hired they had already granted permission to the Steelers to interview Patrick Graham for their defensive coordinator. So once by rule, once you interview, once you allow one team to interview one of your coaches, you have to allow any team that requests an interviews. So even though they plan to bring him back, he wants to interview with the Raiders. He's friends with Josh McDaniels. He gets high. He gets hired there and the giants lose them, even though they wanted to bring him back. Now, why isn't he back? 
there's a it's a very weird situation here. It's like it's like a coaching tree you know overlap here because Graham is friends with Dable. He's friends with Josh McDaniels. He's friends with Brian Flores. He's friends with Joe Judge. So he doesn't come back to the Giants. There, he feels like Joe Judge got the rug pulled out from under him. That hurts. He does. Brian Flores, his other buddy, is suing the Giants. Brian Dayball gets the job over him, so he would be working for somebody he interviewed for the head coaching job, and he'd be working under the guy who got it instead of him. A lot of awkwardness if he went back to the Giants. Much more of a clean slate with the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting how they're all intertwined. and It all kind of all goes back to the Patriots and, and their time with, with Bill Belichick. Uh, I think when Raider fans uh, first heard the news that Patrick Graham was coming to Las Vegas, the first thing that many fans do is is run out to the computer and start checking out the stats to see where the Giants' defenses have ranked uh, in certain categories uh, the last couple of years. And, and I think what they saw was there was a considerable difference between the 2020 Giants' defense, which was a top 10 in points allowed, and then uh, the, the 2021 defense, which which dropped to 23rd uh, in that category. Can you shed some light onto why there was seemingly a drop-off from, from year one to year two under Patrick Graham? Yeah, I certainly can. I, I think that's a good point because that's what I do too as a reporter. Is, okay, they hired the whatever Saints defensive backs coach. Let me go look at how what their interceptions were, what their passing yards were. But there's always so much more to the story that you have to ask the questions. And uh, it's good that you asked because you can't judge the Giants defense last year by staff. The Giants had an amateur high school level offense that they were running for the last seven games of the season. So they were putting so much on the defense in terms of field position, in terms of time of possession. Like anytime the Giants got a first down on offense, felt like they had just won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> the, they were putting so much on the defense that the defense was gassed by like early in the third quarter. So there's no real way to judge the Giants defense last year. Look, was it great? No. But it was probably a top half NFL defense. Like it's probably made not that different than it was in 2020, probably somewhere in the 10 to 15 range of NFL defenses. And look, they uh, they did it. He did a lot of it without a top tier pass rusher. I mean, Leonard Williams had 11 and a half sacks in 2020. He only had five and a half, I think, six and a half in 2021. And really, Patrick Graham's whole two-year run here, he did it without an edge rusher, which is very hard to do in the NFL. And the Giants just haven't had an edge rusher. He did it. His big word is disguise. He's always disguising coverages, trying to play mind games with the quarterback, getting him to throw the ball to somewhere he thinks is going to be open and isn't. It's all a chess match with Patrick Graham. Ryan Dunleavy, NFL writer for the New York Post, is joining us this week on Just Pod Baby, and we are talking about Patrick Graham, the new Raiders defensive coordinator. You know, I've been trying to do my homework on Graham, uh, just trying to gain a better understanding of, of what you know his philosophy is on defense, and you know what are some of the trademarks of the things that he likes to do. You talked about him uh, liking to disguise things. What else can you share about this? What, what can Raider fans expect to see from a Patrick Graham-led uh, unit? So his big thing, honestly, is. And this is going to sound simple, so let me explain it. His big thing is to take away the playmakers, right? And it's like, well, no, duh. That's everybody's main thing is to take away the playmakers. But he really wants to make you beat him with his with your second and third and fourth, third and fourth best weapons, right? Like, that's his goal. So, like, the Giants played the Chiefs this this year. 
and Tyreek Hill had 12 catches for 94 yards, right? So that sounds like a big game, but you know that Tyreek, if you, you know, you're a Raiders fan, you know that Tyreek Hill's average game is like four for a buck 30, right? So he took away like the huge play and he made Tyreek Hill beat him underneath. And he did, right? 12 for 94. He did beat them. He, that's why Tyreek Hill adjusted. That's why Tyreek Hill's a great player. But the idea is he's going to take away your strength and he's going to make you he's going to make you out scheme them. And look, the Giants got out talented a lot of times, right? That's just the way it is. They, their middle linebackers couldn't cover. Uh, they were injured a lot in the secondary. They had no pass rush. A lot of times he just got out talented, but uh, very rarely will he get out schemed. And like I said, the goal is to make you beat to beat you. Like if you're playing the chiefs, okay, well then Byron Pringle is going to have to beat us. And if Byron Pringle can beat us, well then I'll, you know, I'll tip my cap to Byron Pringle. That's kind of, the way he looks at it. Yeah, and that sounds familiar coming from that uh, Bill Belichick coaching tree. That is one of his uh, philosophies is to try to you know eliminate their top uh, offensive weapon. Um, you know, one of the other things that I've kind of picked up, you know, just based on the little bit of research that I've done, and, and you didn't actually mention this one, and you could tell me if I'm, I'm wrong about this, but um, he likes to use the, the safeties a lot, and he likes to use a lot of them, and he likes his safeties to be versatile. Um, he wants them to be able to cover both on the back end. He uses, uh, the, he's not afraid to use the, so, uh, the, the safety in the slot. He wants them to use them in the blitz game and lines them up all over the place from what I can see. What, what can you share us about that and what you saw from the giant safeties and how they were utilized under Graham? Well, that's certainly, I, I don't know how much of that is him. And the, I mean, that was certainly the strength of the Giants' defense, right? Their best players are Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers when he was out. If you at, broke down all nine or 10 individual position groups, you know, corner, defensive line, offensive line, running back, quarterback, et cetera, the Giants' best position group was safety. So he played to their advantage. He's a coach who doesn't jam this is what players love about him and players love Patrick Graham love him they wanted him to say they love him and the reason they love him is because he's not one of those do it my way fit around uh, uh what is a round peg into a square hole he is a okay I'm gonna change my game plan to what you do well okay Logan Ryan's my available this game well Logan Ryan does this well okay Logan Ryan's out this game Jabril Peppers is in that spot okay this is what Jabril Peppers does well we're going to play to that so that's why the game plans look different from week to week um and uh I'll tell you another thing is he came to the Giants wanting to play press man coverage right that was his goal and then he got here and he said we don't have the corners to do it and they played a lot of zone the last two years uh, so he totally scrapped what he wants to do. What he did with the Dolphins was play press man. While the Dolphins have really good corners, uh, the Giants do not. So, or, or did not at least until Adoree Jackson and you know showed up on the opposite side of James Bradbury. So uh, he certainly is a guy who wants to be aggressive, but like I said, he's not married to any philosophy, which is why players love him. You know, Ryan, when you look back at. Um, uh, Graham's time with the Giants. I know it was it was brief. It was only two years, but is there an area in particular? You talked about the strength of the defense being um, in the secondary. You think, but you, is there a particular player that you thought really thrived under Graham that maybe Raider fans could possibly see kind of translate uh, to the, to their defense as well as as far as a position group or player? Uh, I mean, James Bradbury made a Pro Bowl. Um, a long, lanky corner. James Bradbury made his first Pro Bowl under Patrick Graham. Had an awesome 2020 season. Uh, like, just dominant. I think he led the NFL in passes defended. 
uh, that lanky kind of corner. And then Blake Martinez is fond of calling himself Patrick Graham's stalker because he <laughs> felt like he felt like Patrick Graham just took him to another level. And that's just a middle that's a middle linebacker who was given the freedom to roam. When he came over from the Giants from the Packers, the big thing was like, oh, Packers people said, well, Blake Martinez can't cover, so you overpaid him. Well, he comes to the Giants, and he could cover pretty well. So uh, either he got a lot better or Patrick Graham schemed him a lot better, or probably the answer is both. They worked well together. So his uh, he had a lanky corner he turned into a really good player, a middle linebacker he turned into a really good player, and then Logan Ryan was that versatile do-it-all safety. You hear cliché quarterback of the defense a lot I hate that term uh, but that's really what Logan Ryan was he lined up in a different spot every time he uh, he literally was an extension of Patrick Graham on the sideline so yeah if the Raiders have a good safety who's got some versatility that's probably where it'll start uh, last one I have for you right Ryan. up, the, mi- up yeah. the middle is uh, to use a be- having to use a baseball cliche up the middle you know the giant strength was right down to Leonard Williams defensive tackle Blake Martinez, middle linebacker, Logan Ryan, safety, right up the middle defense. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Last one I have for you before I let you run here, Ryan. It is Super Bowl week, of course, and uh, I know that you've been covering it for the post, so I'm just curious if you've got a feeling of how you see this one playing out between the the Rams and the Bengals. It's funny. I I feel like I change my mind every day on this game, so... uh... I don't know that I, <laughs> I don't know that I'm the right person to ask because I, I might change my mind by tomorrow. But right now, look, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I like the matchup. To last year, we said I don't know how the Chiefs' offensive line is going to handle the Bucks' pass rush and push come to shove. Even with all the Chiefs' great players, uh, that's ended up what ended up killing the game. And I just wonder if Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to wreck this game for the Bengals. We saw them give up nine sacks to the Titans. Well, the Titans couldn't score, so they still lost. The Rams will be able to score. So nine sacks to Joe Burrow, and the Bengals aren't going to be able to hang around. So I'll pick the Rams something like 30 to 24, just based on the fact that I think they're going to harass Joe Burrow into one of those. Not as bad as Patrick Mahomes was running around last year, but something similar. All right, Ryan Dunleavy, NFL writer for the New York Post. Thanks so much for uh, the time today and uh, giving us some insight onto Patrick Graham. Really appreciate it, and, and keep up the great work, Ryan. Evan, you got time for one more? Sure. What do you got? I also very, very well. I also know very well your new defensive backs coach. I covered Rutgers for a long time. Oh, Chris Ash. Yeah. What, what, any quick thoughts on Chris Ash? Yeah, I covered. I covered Rutgers for. I don't know, five years, and I know Chris Ash well, and I would tell you that uh, that's a very good hire as well. Another one of those situations where don't look at what the Jaguars defense did. They were a mess. Chris Ash is a super aggressive man-to-man. I mean, he might end up being the safeties coach more so than the cornerbacks coach, but he's a guy, uh, head coaching experience. Uh, He's gotten the most out of really good players at Ohio State, at Texas, I would say another really aggressive-minded defensive back thrive on turnovers coach. So I think that's a good hire as well. Oh, that's great. Great insight there because I was I was talking about him uh, in the first segment of the show. So that it's good that you had a little bit to add there, and I, and I do appreciate it. And again, thank you very much for the time, and uh, uh, we appreciate all your help today. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me.
All right, Raider Nation, got you the lowdown on Patrick Graham, got you some info on Chris Ash. My guy Ryan Dunleavy says it's a good hire, so so what do I know, right? I was a little bit down on Chris Ash, but I'm willing to give him a chance, that's for sure. But I, I hope you enjoyed the spot there with Ryan. He does a great job covering uh, the NFL uh, for the New York Post. But, guys, it is time for me to wrap it up. Another show in the books. Enjoy the weekend, everyone. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. Big thanks to our guest this week, Ryan Dunleavy. And until the next time, I am Evan Grote. Take care, everybody. And as always, just win, baby.